0: the leaves yet? What are you trying to do? Create a panic? Hey, this is Pete Palmisano and welcome to Off-Road, an RLTP podcast, as if you didn't already know that by now. Well, listen, this COVID thing has got its ups and downs and right now I'm not sure where we are. It's a, a bit of an up, a bit of a down. I'm not really sure. Every day the news changes. Sometimes the, uh, the number is up and sometimes the number is down. So it's just a really exciting time to be alive. Listen, try to remember. It's uh, that time in September when uh, Pete Pomisano came on with two more great interviews. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Try to remember. And uh, if you have remembered to tune in to this podcast, (laughs) tune in. You know, nobody tunes in anymore. It's not a radio broadcast. It's a podcast. And uh, this week, two more great interviews. Uh, Two more lovely ladies than Kristen Bentley and Kelly Copps. I I don't know if there are two more talented and lovely ladies than than they are. And they are joining me to tell me what's going on with Second Generation Theater. Uh, We're getting down to the point now where all of the theaters have pretty much made their decisions. And we've got virtual curtain up coming up next weekend. So uh, we'll all be tuning in for that. Uh, There I said it again, tuning in. Well, anyway, the two ladies from Second Generation will be here. And then I thought I'd stretch my wings a little bit outside of the city and head on down to Springville, which of course I did virtually through the magic of Zoom, I had to talk to a guy named Seth from the Springville Center for the Arts, Seth Wachensky, And he's got so much going on down there, I had no idea. You know what I've learned? I have no idea about just about everything. And I think you've probably learned that too. So as my mother always taught me, It's Ladies First, so we first bring up the two ladies from Second Generation, Kristen Bentley and Kelly Copps. And I think this is the first time I've had uh, two people talking at once. I did have two people from Neglia, but one of them wasn't in very often. And this time, you can tell when Kristen is talking because she's a little bit more echoey. Because I know for some of you, you won't necessarily recognize their voices. So that's how you can tell. Here are two of the three ladies that Founded Second Generation Theatre, along with Erin Dandies, Kristen Bentley, and Kelly Copps.
1: We're actors, we can repeat if we
2: say something great. So.
0: But Kristen, look at Kelly's background. Doesn't that look fake? It, it looks like she's...
2: Well, I mean, I guess because I know exactly where she's sitting, I know that it's a real <laughs> And not like a backdrop. Well, I, listen, I proved it to him. I was like, "Check it out. Look how real. Look how real." <laughs> the way that light is hitting it, though. It does kind of look like um it's like
0: some, some kind part. of an abstract abstract painting of some kind. Well, we've been laughing because
2: whenever we
1: have a, a theater alliance of Buffalo meeting, it seems that everyone's home offices have theater posters on the wall. And I was like, "Oh, I feel very unofficial. Like if I'm going to work from home, I better put some posters up because it just <laughs> doesn't too. look." Me
0: too. I've got a whole. Wall of posters over here. Look I see it. And yeah, I'm not, yeah. But I'm not using it. It's just over there, over the piano. Just it's just crazy. <laughs> but instead, I have a painting of a sailboat behind me because I am such a sailor. You
2: look <laughs> comfortable where
1: you are, though. You look comfortable.
0: I am comfortable. I have my Zoom shirt on. But, <laughs> you know, everybody's got their Zoom outfit. Well, let's let's talk second generation. Uh, going for what seven years now, or are we? Co- Going back into in your here. eighth eighth year, if it happens, let's go back a little bit because you know I did talk to Kelly after when the whole thing started, when I, we were still doing this on FaceTime or whatever, uh, b- before everybody became Zoom experts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you had to close down in the middle of rehearsals for uh, Three Tall Women, and I'm sure, even though you probably don't even know it at this point, I'm sure that's on the back way, way back, back, back burner somewhere to come to come back soon. In the meantime, you've really done nothing, right? I mean, you, you I mean, you're not in any position That's correct,
1: you... Peter. We just sit at home and eat bonbons. You're right.
0: Okay. <laughs> like see, you see you see, see what I said about cutting out the stupid things no, that no. I say? No, I to... think you should keep it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I will keep that part because it doesn't make you sound dumb. It makes me sound dumb. Usually I, I, I cut out all the dumb things I say and leave in my guests, uh, dumb things. But anyway, I, well, I know you did something because I contributed to one of your, you know, your birthday celebrations or something like that. And that was a lot of fun. And, uh, but in the meantime, your relationship with the Smith theater and with Shays, can we talk about that for a minute? Because I did talk to Michael Murphy. And every time I mentioned second generation, you know, of course he, he rolled his eyes and said, Oh, those people. And, uh, <laughs>
1: Sounds about no,
0: right. No, I'm kidding. No, no, he didn't. He's a sweet guy, and he was really lovely about it. But they're in, you know, they're in limbo. Even though he announced they're going to open on December 1st, it's really very iffy. Because, because they work with companies that are on tour, and yeah. even shows that were supposed to begin in Buffalo, what good does it do to start a tour if your only touring spot is, you know, Buffalo, and then we're going home again? So right. well,
2: tell us did... the greater Shays Buffalo and the other spaces are all kind of in uniquely different situations. So the Smith, you know, as far as Shays is concerned, le- in legally, it's when that it's already okay. We could return pretty much whenever we want. So
0: You could. Did they did they do the whole social distancing thing there and say, here's how many well, how many people can you fit in there then?
2: 24. Yeah, it depends on the configuration. In a traditional configuration, it's about 24. If we did a in-the-round configuration, it's about 36.
0: Wow. And you guys regularly draw huge audiences because, as you know, I've been to several shows at, at the Smith, and they're always either sold out or very, very full. So it's not like we're not talking about some people for whom 34 seats is is a full house, right?
2: Yeah, well, here's, here's kind of the in the situation is the expenses don't go down, but when you can't make money, you know, when you can't sell to what you're normally selling to or even close to, you know, then, then you really have to justify is, is does the cost make sense right now? And we're exploring a lot of hybrid options or fully digital streaming options. But again, it's really hard to kind of guess on the revenue side and to ensure that it it fiscally makes any sense to even try it. So we were exploring trying our play in a fully digital or potentially hybrid situation, but between equity being pretty slow to get back right now and just crunching the numbers around the potential revenue, we decided to hold off um, for the fall.
0: This is on constellations you're talking yeah. about?
2: Yeah, so we're going to we move back to the spring. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I mean, I saw that I saw your website, of course, and I saw that you you do you have announced or something what is it in February uh, with songs of for a new world and constellations is is a tBA. So officially now, I, I don't know which one of you wants to address it. So officially, constellation is on constellations is on hold, right, right? So and songs for a new world. so yes, go ahead, cal we.
1: We sort of had to juggle our season like for for the reasons that Kristen just mentioned, but the plan right now is to wait on Constellations and open the season at the Smith with Songs for a New World in February. And Constellations is now listed as kind of a TBA spring 2021, and that's actually because of the Shays schedule. Mm. They have no way of knowing when the tours are going to come in. Are they going to be the dates that they said they were? Are they going to be different? Will they have to run longer? So we would be ready to put some dates on the calendar and just be prepared for it to be a fully digital production if we're not comfortable being in person or we're not able to be in person but we're we're sort of at the mercy of their schedule and they're doing their best but they have no way of knowing right now.
0: And Kelly, is Constellations a large cast? No,
1: Constellations Constellations is actually a two-person show.
0: Oh, so well then why it, did that one get, get bumped as opposed to just taking the whole thing and shuffling it over
1: well it got bumped specifically because of uh actors equity Ah. one of the cast members is uh, a union member and they are having a lot of difficulties and you know rightly so making sure that their actors are safe Um, and we put forward a really thorough plan for keeping people safe and distanced and masked and you know, all of the above precautions that are mandated by the state and by, you know, good, decent common sense for keeping people safe during a pandemic. And their response time has been pretty slow. I think they're also dealing with some things like other organizations in the arts are. Our typical contact there was furloughed. Oh, dear. The day after we submitted our proposal. So it's just been taking a little bit longer. And we also looked at our content, you know, while constellations with two people, and being a play is certainly easier to produce. The subject matter is a little bit heavier. So opening with a musical, even though it's a tiny musical, seems like kind of a brighter beginning to the season Mm -hmm. in in current times. you know, We were set to open with Constellations, but having a look at where we've been in 2020, it seems like songs is gonna be better. Yeah,
0: do you, speaking of which now, when you choose your season, when you choose your plays, what's the, what are you looking for? I don't know why, but I get the feeling that the the SGT season is always so interesting and I don't want to say unique because that's, that means one in a million or whatever, but I mean, it, it always seems to stray from what is the expected. I mean, last year with the toxic Avenger, you know, and then right after that you're, you're doing, excuse me, then you're doing a Pinter play. It's just, it's, how do you determine what shows you it's I know I'm asking a very difficult question, but what goes into your thought process?
1: No, that's fine. So it's kind of twofold and and we're looking at expanding a little bit more tying our season together in a different way going forward. But initially, you know the question is always, is it a good story? Do we want to hear this story? does Does the audience maybe need to hear this story? Um, and then when we put the season together, usually what we want is some variety. You know, Kristen and I are always looking for, we want you to see one title at least that you know and that will draw the audience in, one title that you've either never heard of or just is really unfamiliar to you, and at least one piece that will really make you think. So Mm. we've gone from a two-show season to a three-show season, and um, with the three shows, it's a little bit easier to have a bit more variety, but we do try to keep it, pretty different there are a lot of companies in town who have a slightly more let's say acute mission statement yes and we don't have that and it's intentional you know we want to be able to say this is a great story and we feel the need to tell it right now
0: well that's really interesting to hear you you know define it that way I because I because I used to back years ago there was a company that I worked with where they said well we have to do one one show for the our audience and one show for ourselves and then you know now there's, in other words one show that we think they want to see one show that we want to do and I don't remember what the other criteria for it was but it sounds like you have a similar idea you're looking for
1: yeah a little a little less yes one show that they want to see I mean you you do obviously at the end of the day what we want to do is create, great theater Mm -hmm. but if you can't get people to come in who cares how great your theater is so we do need at least something that's a little more familiar but typically when we pick the show that we don't think the audience is familiar with we want to make sure that once they come in you know it's not for us it's still for them but we do want to challenge our patrons a little bit more you know we could we could hand them a season of titles that they are very familiar with and have already seen three times and I don't think that that's ultimately what they want and what's really best for our audience. We want to make sure that that there's something that's new to them. Mm -hmm. And they'll end up loving it. You know, we always feel comfortable that once we get you in the door, you'll come back. You know, you will you will like what you see, but sometimes you have to have a
2: little bit of faith in our season selection. Yeah. And and honestly, to make it challenging and rewarding for us too, because you know we're a pretty much a two-woman show over here, you know, with a lot of great help from mostly volunteers and our board but you know it is like the day-to-day is is the two of us and there is a lot of juggling and sacrifice that happens um to make that happen so we want it to be rewarding and fulfilling and challenging and um to push our own limits as well because if not why do it you know
0: so did literally do the two of you sit down and maybe just via zoom these days but do the literally the two of you sit down and say okay 21 what are we thinking
2: yeah, we have a list of titles that have interested us. Obviously, you know, the, the board is approving the budget, so we we look at, yeah, has it been done? Is it castable? Um, how does the season round out as a whole? And we've talked a lot, too, about maybe looking at how we cultivate a season to make a season more holistic and, and themed within kind of us trying to hit all of those pillars. But we have a list, and then... Kelly and I are really like-minded in so many ways, but we also have different tastes. So we challenge each other, and sometimes we're compromising with each other on those titles, and it it's really worked out in, in balance thus far, and, and we're still working on it. You know, it's not a perfect science. For a while, we let people bring titles to us, and... Although those were great individual productions, we kind of decided through learning that, okay, that's not the way we're gonna do it. We're gonna make sure that we're choosing the titles and the creative teams that we feel can best bring that story to life and then really enable that person to tell it so we're still figuring it out but but we do kind of sit down and and work off that list and challenge each other and um again though is it castable is it affordable are are the rights available has it been done in the past few years you know there's all of those factors as well that you have to kind of know the community and know the other theaters and what they're doing to have the answer to those
0: questions and do you have are you in competition with other theaters in the area in terms of when you go for rights for something for example three tall women Uh, which is relatively new, Uh, it was on Broadway just a few years ago, would you be in competition with, say, oh, I don't know, the Kavanoke, for example, where they would say, well, you know, we could give it to you, but we have to go with the Kavanoke first because blah, blah, blah. Do you have that sort of situation going on?
2: Yeah, and Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've ever had it one-to-one. It's only happened
0: once yes. or twice but
2: we've had titles that were on our list that we wanted to do short term that someone else snagged or i know we've snagged titles that other people had on their list but we have we have not yet been in a situation where they have two applications and they're picking because usually the rights company is always going to go with the one where they can make more money so it would not
0: be us <laughs> <laughs> not yet
1: not yet <laughs> Not yet.
0: <laughs> do you guys have a delineation of powers like Kelly's in charge of this and Kristen's in charge of that? Or, or do you just, well, Kelly's in this show. So Kristen, you take care of all of this and Kristen. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Yes. And no is the short answer. Um, you know, I'm the artistic director of the company. Kristen is the executive director, but again, based on the size of our company and the size of our two person staff, <laughs> there are a lot of duties that typically would be given to one of those people or the other that often are shared or are hey i have more time to do this so you know the, the good part of that is that we're both familiar with both parts of that job and really all parts of running our our company we're very aware of all of the day-to-day operations which i think sometimes as your company expands and you're no longer involved in those day-to-day operations you you lose sight of some of those things so we um Yes, we have delineated jobs, but we're sort of an all-hands-on-deck situation. Whenever it's needed, that's what we do. And, yes, if one of us is in the show, it always gets run by the other one um, because
2: you do know that that means you're going to have to do some more behind-the-scenes work. Yeah, we also, sadly, we've never been in a show together um, ever, and we probably won't with our own
1: company. And we never will be.
2: No, we won't until there's more of a staff because we just – we made that decision kind of from the get-go like we can't both ever be in a show and stay sane like it keep things above water it's not going to happen so um you know cabaret was going to be our first time kind of creatively creating something together because I was directing it and Callie was choreographing which you know we will return to that and and remount it and, and get it done but we were kind of excited about that because instead of just running the operations, we're also going to be creatively creating something together for the first time since college.
0: Well, then who is going to ru- who is going to run the operations? I mean,
2: I don't know. We
1: hadn't thought of that. How much longer <laughs> do you
0: suppose you two can remain friends?
1: <laughs> hey, it's working great. <laughs> In, yeah, indefinitely, indefinitely. We we do tend to share a brain on a lot of important issues, so I think um, I think we sort of have to stay together for full brain power, so we're good, I we're see. fine.
2: Yeah, and you know, if things get tense, we know to provide wine. Um, oh. And yeah. honestly, if anything, <laughs> we have to take time to prioritize our friendship and not just talk about work,
0: you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, how are you, by the way? What's
0: new? <laughs> hey, not on my time, sister.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Listen, I just I want to go back to something because I I meant to ask you, Kristen, a few minutes ago. You said you could go back into Smith tomorrow if you wanted to. Um, what is that based on? Because when you're there, don't you have to work with a certain number of at least I believe this is true for both Smith and 710, that you have to work with a certain number of Shays workers who are also union workers. And is there a is there an issue there wherein, well, we can go back, but we have to follow certain union rules and that makes it more difficult.
2: The Smith is not actually a union house. So the rate of which we are, we are required to have one of the Shays staff technicians and pay a yes. rate that's equitable to that, but the Smith itself is not a union house. So it's not in the same boat Okay. as 710 and Shays Buffalo is with that. But again, it would still be, you know, all of the rules and
0: Well, for everybody's safety, not not just because of the union. For everybody's safety, you would want to do that,
1: right? And it it seems like the you know the rules that the unions, that Actors Equity or even IATSE would want you to follow are were perfectly agreeable to them. the The holdup has been more on the equity side and just with getting things approved. So it's less about you know are we prepared to meet those safety standards, and more is everybody prepared to sign off on the documents that we need to walk in. So, like I said, that's why we sort of pushed constellations because of the mm-hmm. the union mm-hmm. question but that was on the actor's side i don't, I don't believe that the stagehands union is having a similar issue right now
2: no and we, and we could have you know recast and moved forward but we're kind of of the mentality of a there's still so much unknown that's going to happen this fall and also we want to work within the union guidelines and and come together and make sure that, hey, the plan that we've put forth that we've worked with Shays on as far as safety and protocol and all of that is greenlit by them and everyone's buying in because we want that high, high level of safety and ensure that we're doing everything we can to protect everyone when we do come back, whenever
0: that is. Shays has nothing to do with your season choices, right? You don't have to have anything approved by them. For example, if you say, here's our season, is everything okay, Michael? Is anything like that?
1: We we do need to let them know. Um, We have only had this issue once in the past. I don't think it will become a common issue, but um, on the off chance that something, a tour is coming through Mm -hmm. or even may be coming through, they often will not want us to do that show.
3: You know what I mean? So if we've
1: chosen something and the tour is coming through, since we're under the Shays umbrella they can't really say you know i don't know the band's visit is coming through Shays, and second gen is also producing it which we are not by the way but
0: that's a good example having
1: it in two of their houses is it's not great for them which we understand and and as i said that's been difficult once uh i don't see it happening a lot in the future but that is a
2: a concern yeah there are certain titles that almost um with within like the Broadway league or whatever the chase contract is that are almost on hold, like all the time that a tour might start up mm-hmm. again tomorrow. So it might not even be something that's announced, but there are some titles that kind of have that secret hold that we weren't really aware right. of that until we had chosen one of them. And so learning experience, and you know, we, we were always keeping them in the loop and collaborating with them. We've been talking to them very frequently through all of this, just to even, keep in just keep in touch about what's going on in the state of the union and where our heads are at and um, they're
0: great well you know what it's one of the advantages i think of second generation that you don't have your own theater it actually it keeps you limber you can you can make quick adjustments you can make not easy adjustments but you can make all sorts of decisions and then then quickly shift or quickly move things as you did with as you are doing with constellations and and uh, what is it songs for a new world yeah Uh, that's going to be the first one now
1: it's definitely been an advantage um this year for the last half of of you know the last season well
0: you don't have, have anybody on a continuing payroll
1: well we we do but the our size is um it's been an advantage you know things that typically feel like a disadvantage are helping us stay afloat and not face major financial issues right now so it, it, yeah, we do feel grateful for our flexibility.
0: During one of my early interviews, uh, Tony Chase, actually, he didn't mention you, but he was talking about how some of the larger theaters or some some of the theaters that have a whole lot of overhead, this is really going to be a challenge for them, whereas some of the smaller groups who do not have the same staffing issues, the, the same overhead, the same right. you know, rent issues. I mean, you, you don't pay rent on a theater on Smith if you're not in there, correct? Yeah, correct. I mean, you, You're not paying them something for, well, you're, you're, you're committed. So even though you're not doing a show, you're committed to paying rent for that. That does not happen with you.
2: Right. No, it's per diem. So it's really interesting because three tall women, we made the call on the Friday before the world ended yeah. to pull the plug. And a lot of that was honestly, it was, you know, we still could have got greenlit at that point because it was the 500 seat and below venues were still fine. And, um, you know, that was the day that 710 had canceled Curious Incident, but we really canceled it just for an actor safety reason. Sure, um sure. And we were trying, we were just trying to do what was right, but it was right before we were supposed to go in the Smith and do load-in. So we...
1: It actually was already loaded in. Yeah, if you remember, Chris had just put yeah. the floor down, so he put it down and then it sat
2: there. I don't even know if it's out yet, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but we avoided of a ton of expense and a a huge loss that we would have suffered by moving in if we had waited even Mm. days more uh moving in more and getting the actors in there so because we called it on a friday like we we didn't owe them anything so it was pretty crazy or a very small amount based on some of the tech hours with loading in and that was it right
0: yeah truly the flexibility the ability to be able to to pivot so quickly is, is a tremendous advantage can we just talk about briefly your (laughs) Your online academy, which I I was so surprised. Well, number one, there are many people doing online classes, but yours are so interesting. You know, the the beginner tap and costume design and creating characters through movement and things like that. All of this is going to be online now, starting soon, right? Yeah. So
1: um, our fall classes, we we have had an education program uh, since 2017. In person, um, we typically offer one to two classes for an hour between ages um, six and 16. And then we do a summer camp as well. And this year, the summer camp was online. Um, Thanks to a generous donor, it was free. But this fall, we decided, okay, we can look at the virtual world as an advantage or as a disadvantage and you know nothing replaces live theater nothing replaces that connection you feel of being in the room with students I mean you know this you know there's there's nothing like it but we have the advantage of now being able to hire teachers who don't live here, Mm. you know, teachers who we would love to have come in and meet with our students, but they're in New York City, or they're in California, or typically they're on a tour, you know, they're, they're on Broadway, and they're not free. Well, you know, Broadway's closed right now. So we've been able to bring in some great teachers. And what we sort of did with the fall classes, why there's such a, a strange array, is we said, A, teachers, you know, what what do you feel most comfortable doing? What do you feel most excited about? Because when your teachers are excited about their subjects matter, you got a better teacher, right? And also we wanted to offer a huge variety because I think there are so many students missing so many creative outlets. So we said, let's just, let's throw this all out there and, and you know, see what sticks, see who wants to try something new. Um, we want the kids to be able to look at an online class as a good thing instead of something else they have to do. We know they're going to have... Uh, you know, but it's so hard, and our children
0: are because they're going to be onlineing all sorts. They're math, right? And science right, and, and our
1: our children are um, pre-K and kindergarten age, so it's a little bit less of an issue. But um, I know some parents mm-hmm. are hesitant to do all of these digital academies because they're thinking, you know, why do I want to put my kid in front of a computer an additional hour? Yes. Well, the the virtual dance classes or you know creating characters through movement, that kind of thing. It's it's a little better. Yes, you're still looking at a screen, but you're up you're moving you know there's a way to tie in creativity and physical activity so we're um we're just doing our best to try to keep our students engaged and and keep our teacher performer friends employed it's kind of a two-fold situation
2: yeah and kelly did a great job kind of from the beginning of lockdown like very quickly pivoting the education program to online Mm -hmm. and we are really lucky that because of a a really generous private donor through the spring and the summer, all of our virtual offerings were free because we really did just wanna give back to the community in a time where people were struggling to adapt and change and there was so much uncertain. Um, So, you know, we were able to do that for free for people. And I'd still say our classes are very, very, um, you know, affordable and competitive. compared to the other classes that we're seeing offered. And we do also have scholarships available as well. So if there's a student who really feels passionately about learning and you know, we never want the financial piece to be a reason that a kid can't explore their, their creative side. Well,
0: that's so, I mean, I didn't mean to sound, I think I, number one, I didn't realize that they were, had been free through the spring and summer. That's wonderful. A wonderful give back to the community. And number two, I just thought that the titles were so interesting. They were so different. They were well. They were so unique. I mean, everybody offers acting one hundred and one, but creating a character through movement, even costume design. You you don't you don't find those on And now you tell me that they're for such such young children, and I was all ready to sign up for beginner tap. So thank you very.
1: much. Now. Listen, there's an adult section for beginner tap, so don't tease, because I want to see you in
2: there. And that was a that was a result
1: of. Oh, I have to go now. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: that was a result of people like you, Peter, kind of seeing <laughs> our free content all spring and summer, and adults being like, "Oh, I wish just, I wish we could take these." So we did create some adult classes for the fall as a response to people asking for it. So you're you're. On
0: the well, bus. I was just kidding. I'm very busy. <laughs> I don't, I don't have time for that kind of frivolity.
2: Listen, if
1: you want to take a beginner tap class, this is the way to do it. You're in your own room. You can turn off the camera. Nobody knows if you're any good or not. No big deal. <laughs> Excuse
2: me. We saw your moves in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. We know what you know. About yeah, we know you
1: can dance.
0: Uh, let me Let me just tell you, I have a pair of tap shoes that have never been worn. I believe you. Ever.
1: I believe They've you. have
0: never been worn. I'm not sure. Are they yours? No, no, no. They were, we, they were cleaning out a... a, a a costume room somewhere at the Hamburg Little Theater or something, and I said, "Oh, oh, I'll, I'll take those," and they've never been—they've—they've uh, they've never touched my toes. So
1: <laughs> now is the time. <laughs>
0: no, it's right now. This is I'm, I'm too much. I've just got too much on my plate right now. <gasps>
1: Right. You're very, yeah, busy. Very, very,
0: very busy. Listen, let's talk about SGT with the BPO. What is that all about? So
1: uh, we decided that, you know, since we were moving constellations, we had room for another wonderful project. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the marketing team at the BPO actually reached out to us and they've had to, as you can imagine, shift and reimagine their own season, sure. and they, uh, thankfully for us, decided to look at that as a way to engage some more local performers. So their concert that was to be, Bra- Bravo Broadway, I think. I um, actually I think it originated something else, but it. it you know it changed like we're doing right now everything is fluid
3: mm-hmm. they're
1: doing uh broadway to buffalo broadway and to buffalo right and yeah and we uh submitted several different singers and they chose who they wanted based on the material they had so sgt co-founder aaron lee dandies will be singing along with oh, ryan brown yeah oh,
0: terrific
1: yeah, and Brian, we're so excited. He's um he's done some, just some salt, small songs for us before, but he's actually going to be joining the cast of Songs for New World. So we're really excited to finally get him on stage twice in one season.
0: Well, that's cool. Can you tell me just a little bit about how are, how are they, is, that's going to be online too, I assume.
1: Yeah, what, what's, it is. What's
0: the uh, situation there? How is it going to be set up?
1: so uh initially they were thinking that with the size of klein hands they might be able to actually bring people in but it's Mm -hmm. looking like it's just going to be easier to go online so they will be recording uh with the bpo with I, i believe not the full orchestra i think based on social distancing measures they have to pare down a bit but aaron and brian will be recording in klein hands and then that'll be streamed i think beginning october 3rd but all of the information is on the bpo website. In terms of how to get tickets and um, when you can watch it, I believe it has like a, a limited weekend run.
0: There will be other singers from other companies. There will.
1: They're bringing. Uh, no, they're bringing in some Broadway performers and these wow. two from Second Gen. Yeah, that's that very really exciting. great.
0: That's yeah. And let's talk very quickly about the curtain up uh, situation because, as we all know, well, frankly, I thought we were just going to skip it this year, but now apparently there's Can't going skip to skip be...
1: it. It's tradition.
0: Well, I skip it many times, but that's another story, <laughs> because I've already explained to you about how I feel about leaving the house. But anyway, the, the there's something going on with Curtain Up that SGT is uh, very intimately involved with. Either one of you like to speak about that?
2: Probably is the one that's <laughs>
1: intimately involved. <laughs> All right, well, I'm it then. Um, yeah, so... Theaterlands of Buffalo sort of got together and said, you know, maybe we want to do some sort of fundraising event, awareness event. Um, It's nice for theater patrons to know that even though the doors are closed right now, we are still here and we are still working to come up with creative content for you. And honestly, with all of the digital possibilities, I, for one, don't know what all of the other theaters are doing. So I'm looking forward to the event. It's on September 18th. I believe it's at 8 o'clock. As curtain up always is, yes. And there are sixteen different Buffalo theaters participating. Um, The event's co-sponsored by Theater Alliance of Buffalo and the Theater District Association, and really entertaining opening number for you, written especially for the event by Philip Ferrugia and Amy Jakiel, and performed by over fifteen. Different Buffalo performers, and they'll oh. be all edited together, you know, from their own homes. But then, the night consists of some performances, and each theater telling you what's up with them, you know, what's next for their season. I see. What should you tune into? Which I think, um, I think will be great. You know, it's it's the gusto is not full of events right now, right? No. You can't you can't see what's going on there. So it'll be nice to have a, a moment to kind of get in touch with you know what do i want to tune into i can't go to Irish classical but i really want to make sure i check out their you know their curtain up video so
0: is everything on it going to be pre-recorded
1: everything's going to be pre-recorded just because it's coming from so many different so many sources different. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and chris Cavanaugh will be running the event um likely from musical fair where he's got tons of experience working in the premier cabaret in yes. that format but just to uh to ensure the smoothness of the evening. You know, we don't do a show without rehearsing it for weeks, right? So we don't we do not do a stream without pre-taping from every different theater in Buffalo.
0: I, uh, well, yeah. I'm actually very excited about it. And, and I am too. more excited than I am about the, the usual curtain up because usually I'm either- You don't
1: have to leave your house. You don't have to wear pants even, you know? I, mean, I, I don't
0: <laughs> have to leave the house. It's the best news ever listen I know you have another meeting coming up so I'm not going to keep you too much longer but you know how much I love you both and I want to make sure we get in everything that's going on so you've got the the Broadway to Buffalo up with the BPO on the third of October and then you're doing songs for a new world in February constellations is a TBA I, I assume the secret garden is also somewhere somewhere out there in the future and three tall women is somewhere out there in the future anything else
2: our goal is you know yeah, this spring we'll kind of do a mini, mini 2021 season, which will be spring of 21 with songs and constellations. They're both really small shows. They're shows we could keep stream only if we need to, or easily socially distance. And then hopefully, you know, we'll see how things go. But what we would love to do is for the 21-22 season, bring back all of our little like COVID, <laughs> COVID shows that <laughs> tried and couldn't uh cabaret.
1: It's like the Lazarus, the Lazarus season, back from the dead.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Lazarus season of um, Cabaret, Three Tall Women, and Secret Garden would, you know, is what we are hoping to be able to do. So that you know, we we chose those shows for a reason, and and we want to see them happen. So
0: yeah, that in itself is is a wonderful season. Wouldn't that be funny if that became? If 21-22 became everyone's Lazarus season, right? I mean, al- already road less traveled. That's what they're doing. They just took the whole 2021 and moved it to 21-22. But if every, every, I love the Lazarus season. Let's call it that. Trade
1: market. I want a penny every time somebody says
0: it. That's right. Well, listen, Kelly, Kristen, it's been lovely talking to you, and even lovelier seeing <laughs> you. I appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, you know I'll always keep my eye on what's going on with second generation one of my favorite theater groups in the in the city and probably the most the fastest rising theater company ever <laughs> in the uh, world <laughs> in the, well ever of all time that's right that's right Peter
1: thank you so much <laughs> it was great to see you and to talk to you today yeah.
0: it was lovely talking good to both of you. you both of you have a good day and, and I hope to see you live and in person soon
1: <laughs> all right you too can't wait bye bye take Peter. care bye. <laughs> bye.
0: Once again, great people, enjoyed talking to them, as I've enjoyed talking to many people, but there's something special about Second Generation Theater, another one of our great Western New York theater companies. But now, I know you've been breathlessly waiting to hear from the mystery guest of the
3: week, a message from the bunker. Peter Palmisano, greetings my friend and fellow thespian. I hope you've been well these past few crazy, crazy months. I, we have been hanging in there. I've been unemployed since the beginning of April like millions of Americans. Um, So I'll give you a glimpse into my life since uh, the whole coronavirus started. Uh, I get up every morning, I go to the bathroom, I weigh myself, I have a couple of cups of coffee, and then I tackle something around the house. And uh, the good thing is I've been able to tackle something in each room of this house since this all started. So it hasn't been a complete wash. Also, I have a, we have a brand new baby in the family. Uh, and everything is beautiful and happy Not and healthy. Our baby. Not our baby. No, no, not our baby, but a baby in the family. And that was my wife who just chimed in. And the funny thing, my wife just opened the mail. The mail came, and she just opened a package from an old boyfriend of hers. (laughs) So that's always kind of fun, isn't it? He's not
1: a boyfriend.
3: Well, no, he was, though. And she assures me, though, that nothing ever happened between them. Right, honey? Not a
1: boyfriend
3: just a friend anyways this is you know when you look back on this conversation this is the moment where it went downhill <laughs> when my wife decided to chime in um so let's wrap it up i hope you've been well uh, i look forward to seeing you on and off the stage at some point i hope for a victory for the good guys in november other than that be safe be healthy wear your mask and i hope to see you and all my friends soon Bye
0: bye. Oh, that was a tough one. I can't quite put my finger on it. It sort of sounded familiar, and then that weird secondary voice chimed in, unexpected and probably unwanted. I, I, I better think about it a little while while you guys listen to Seth Wachensky over there at the Springville Center for the Arts. I thought I recognized the stained glass off to your right there. Uh, yes, <laughs> I was down there a couple of years ago to see uh, a friend of mine, Don uh, Don Wesley, was directing a play.
4: Oh yes, Don. What did you see? Was it Annie? Possibly. Maybe. It was Annie. Yeah, it was a great. He did a great job with that.
0: Yeah, Don's a great.
4: He does a great job with our productions. He's. Uh, very dedicated. We we love
0: Don. One interesting thing is that the Springville Arts Center, or is that, that's the official name now? The official name is Springville Center for the Arts. Center for the Arts. Okay. That's, it's really a a hub for all arts in in that area. You must get a lot of people, because let's face it, unlike East Aurora, where you can be in Buffalo in 20 minutes, or Hamburg, it takes me 18 minutes to get downtown springville is really it's a little farther out a little farther out from the metro region yeah
4: the people we serve are less connected to the metro region Mm -hmm. you know and as time passes i see more and more especially i think after 2008 i see a lot more people traveling greater distances for work yes after the great recession we saw that a lot it seemed like there was a lot more commuting but you know a lot of the people we serve i mean we serve we're in the very southern tip of Erie County. Yes. We're literally on the border of Cattaraugus County. It's like I could almost throw a rock across the creek, you know? Mm-hmm. And we serve people from Cat County. Wyoming County is right down the street, Arcade. Uh, even Allegheny County, right there. So a lot of the people we serve are you yeah, very much, we well, just say less connected, you know, less connected to the metro area for sure. And it colors
0: a little bit what we do. We're not that far, but at the same time, it is a little different, yeah. Just a little bit, yeah. Well, do you get you get a lot of participants from the surrounding areas? I would imagine. You know, in rough terms, I like to say about one third, one third, one third. It's different
4: for different programs, but what that breaks down to be is about one third from very close by the village and its mm-hmm. you know immediate surroundings. Yes. A third from the remainder of the school district, which is I forget 164 square miles or something like that. And then a third can come from farther away in any direction. I see. When we have big concerts, we have a greater travel distance. You know, someone knows an artist, or they are really in love with a particular style. They'll come from a farther distance. For theater, as you know, uh, you know someone might love a particular show, and they're willing to travel a great distance. It doesn't matter where it is. And sometimes even it's an adventure to come to Springville. You know, or their cousin is in it, or their neighbor, or something. You know, there's
0: some connection. <laughs> So it, it roughly breaks down uh, that way. I see. And how did how did you get involved with this, Seth? How, first of all, how long have you been executive? Well, okay, so I'm, I'm the executive director. I've been the executive director of Springfield Center of
4: the Arts since 2010 but my uh, involvement goes back prior to that uh, quite a ways i am a graduate of springville schools i grew up in colden outside of the outside of the village quite a ways but you know part of the kind of greater community here mm-hmm. and i always joke that if someone said i would be uh, the director of an art center. You know, when I got out of high school or something, I <laughs> would have very much told them they were a liar because I would have never believed there was an art center in Springville. I also would have never believed I would be working at one. It didn't. It wasn't part of my plan at all. Sure.
0: I came back to the area around 2000. I want to say. And, um, oh, so long before they moved into the church, then.
4: Yeah, long before they moved into the church, we started on the rented space on Main Street and yeah. i got involved as a volunteer it was of course all volunteer at the time i was, then i was on the board um and um at the time i was doing actually film and, and video production work so i just traveled sure i covered a big area from rochester to erie basically doing production work but i the art center really connected me to a community of people in a way that i was very not expecting mm-hmm. and it, it was uh, we we often say like when the art center started All these people sort of came out of the woodwork that each of us individually had assumed the rest of us weren't there. I don't know how else to describe it. We were surprised that there were so many people interested in the arts or interested in theater or painting or whatever it was. And it really was one of these build it and they will come kind of scenarios. And it it tells a little bit of a story I think about, about people that in places where you don't necessarily expect the arts, they're given a chance to flourish they they do flourish. I say that as someone who grew up here I mean there was just no evidence of this kind of thing being able to thrive right Right. so I can say that somebody else I might get insulted (laughs) but anyways I got involved um, as a volunteer then as a board member I became a part-time staff person for a while and I worked for the organization for maybe two years or something in that early phase. And again, it wasn't something that I thought I was, I had no plans to be the director of an arts organization. And sure. Organization to a certain point and kind of moved on. And then later on down the road, I saw uh, the organization make some missteps. And I also came to know a a little bit more about myself and my strengths. And they were going through a little bit of difficulty. And I first
0: stepped in in kind of an interim capacity.
4: And then, you know, the rest is history, as
0: they say. Well, it, it sort of brings up the point that no matter what, whatever, whatever you think, the arts will find a way people will people will create their art, even if they're and there were probably little groups, little, you know, little uh, basement meeting groups all over. And mm-hmm. suddenly you, you started out, not you personally, but they the started out as a theater group. So many years ago, you know, it started out with the Community Musical and then became the Springville Players. And this is a direct result of that. But as you said, it was all sort of focused on theater. And when you sort of opened the doors and said, no, we're going to welcome all sorts of the arts. People just came out of the woodwork and said, oh, good. I've been looking for a place, you know, where they were there all along. But. You know, like I said, in little little basement meetings or garage meetings and things like that. Yeah,
4: it, it became a galvanizing rod for the artistic community, for those interested in the arts, and it just started to attract people, you know. And uh, over time, that, it's been interesting to see it not only attracts people together, but then those connections are made, which, of course, strengthens the whole organization and community. So I've seen mm-hmm. we started, the, the art center itself started in '98. So we hit the 20-year anniversary recently, and now we have people who started our programs as children. Yes, they were involved in some way, and of course, it wasn't as big uh, an organization then. But they were involved as youth, and now they're involved as adults today. I have a staff person here who, you know, was involved as a third grader and well, is now uh, on staff. I mean, that's that's pretty interesting to see how that that transition, you know, first it was just attracting people together, and then I've seen people get married who get who met here, you know, multiple, <laughs> right? Like these connections are formed.
0: It's it's really, um, it's really kind of nice to see. It's a microcosm of, of a little town, a little. Yeah. Well, yours is the story of a local boy uh, made good, and pretty much that's really the story of this, the Springville Center for the Arts. It's all of a sudden you just open the door and it, and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And, 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 and its gravitational pull pulls in people from all the surrounding areas, I, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah,
4: we sort of have a bigger, an increasingly bigger orbit. Or not an orbit, but yes, a gravitational pull. You're right. Yeah. But it's not without struggles. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's easy to tell a story of success as though it were an uninterrupted incline. <laughs> and it's not the case. Uh, You know, we have struggled. It is a small town. The economics here are not in a poverty census district, but it is uh, one of modest means, let's say. Yes. And there are uh, challenges to that. We don't have the same base. We don't have the same business support. We don't have corporations that we can necessarily go to. I've traveled around the state actually quite a bit to visit other arts locations. And pretty much anytime you find an art center similar to ours, it is either located where there is a university mm-hmm. in the community sure so a small college town that has the whole thing going on there or there is a tourism industry and a lot of related financial support to go with it the oddball about us is that we don't have either of those things no <laughs> we're just kind of here and but I think in a lot of ways that has driven people too. I think a lot of our supporters
0: are are more supportive because they know that this is something special. It is. It, it is. You don't. there's, there's no Ellicottville center for the arts. You know what I mean? It, it, I'm thinking of places that are comparable mm-hmm. and, and sort of way out there for, away from the metropolitan area yeah. and for, for Springville to have this really gem in the middle of, as you sort of alluded to, it's in the middle of nowhere, without any kind of huge corporate. Or does M Bank reach all the way down there? Because they support everything up here.
4: Yeah, we do. I mean, we do have support from M and T. There's one right across the 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 way here. They've been great partners, but it it is different. Um, and and again, you can take that as a negative or a positive. Mm-hmm. So on the negative side, it's it's difficult. We've really struggled to connect. As the organization has grown, we've struggled to get support from regional corporations because they are unfamiliar with what we do and they don't maybe understand the impact and the audience we serve. So it might be something like, you know, a health insurance company or something like that, that has a regional, regional scope. And we're like kind of off the map for them. Sure. But at the same time, we can make that a positive and say, you know what, here we are. And we're a little bit of a different, we're a little bit of a different experience. And, and we're seeing that a little bit more in maybe our performances especially, where it's just a little bit of a different journey, you know? We can get a group of seniors to come an hour to see a show, or a concert goer might like the experience of going to a new space. So we,
0: we try and turn it into a positive. You know what, you, you just alluded to, they're not familiar with what you do, Okay, sum up for 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 my listeners who, frankly, are probably more you know more north of you. Sure. What what do you do there? It's everything from theater to art exhibits to music to, or have I just summed it up right there? <laughs> in a lot of ways, I mean, we are we consider ourselves a multi art center. So uh, we're
4: housed in an 1869 former Baptist church, though we have several other buildings coming online or currently active at this point in time as well but our main space is this former church and we do theater productions we have also brought in and presented professional theater productions we present concerts um, primarily a lot of national touring artists you'd be surprised at the talent level of the artists that we've got uh, on our stage Mm -hmm. we do workshops for adults and children in the summer typically we have theater workshops. Um, we have a preschool program, a creativity program for preschoolers. We do you know, painting workshops for adults. We've done cinema programs. We just did an outdoor cinema thing. Dance workshops for kids, you know, a little bit of everything. And it's, <laughs> in some ways it hasn't changed since we started, but in other ways it's morphed and expanded and we've grown in both
0: the artistic quality of what we've presented The variety you've broadened in scope for sure, uh, because pretty much you are the only game in town and not just in town but in, in the area. So, you probably have people coming to you sometimes with a whole new concept, or here's another place where we think we might be having an outlet for our idea or our art or our performance or whatever.
4: Yeah, I think a great example, so I'm sitting in the the Amstead Gallery, we have an exhibit program Mm -hmm. and I think that's a great example. So um, my favorite exhibits are those where we see an artist first come to us in in an open call, in a community exhibit that might be one piece that they submit and are juried into a show. And over a period of years there's sort of a, a relationship being built. And then they they, they kind of graduate, more or less, to a full exhibit. And it's a partnership. We're working with them to try and develop what the exhibit concept is and all this. And at the same time, on the audience side, the people coming to that exhibit, in many cases, are people very unfamiliar with uh, a gallery experience. And that would apply to theater, to concerts. I think we probably have a higher proportion of attendees who do not attend other arts programs, because yes. primarily because of geographic isolation. Sure. A lot, of, a lot of other alternatives. One of our challenges, a little tangent, I mean, the building is, an, is a Gothic Revival church. It's not exactly the most welcoming of <laughs> structures, but we work really hard to introduce the arts to people who, who do not make it a habit, mm-hmm. you know, so that threshold, how do we get them over the threshold? It's something we constantly discuss. We do a lot of programs out of the building uh, to basically ameliorate that, that issue. We often do a lot of outreach programs outside in the community, on the street, literally. So anyways, in a nutshell, that kind of gives you an overview of what we do, a lot of everything.
0: Well, do you have any direct competition in, in the area for entertainment venues, for galleries, for exhibits? Or are you the only game in town?
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, in Springville, yes. There are neighboring programs, which are competition sounds like a negative thing. Exactly. I would describe them as positives, truly. Sure. Um, uh, West Falls now has a burgeoning art center. You know, there's art, the Arcade Players, which does productions from time to time. Gawanda, we just visited the Hollywood Theater in Gowanda with Don, actually, mm-hmm. to discuss partnerships. I mean, I always see these things as real positive things because they really, they lift Lifts everybody up. The more that's going on, in a lot yes. of ways, it's just same like the Buffalo theater community. You know, in a sense, yes, you can say there's a lot of theaters and competing through the same. But it, you build a theater-going audience. You know, mm-hmm. truly, with the concentration of of uh, talent and spaces. Our competition is uh, digital media, hands down. I see. If we're if we're talking about how to compete, it is a question of how do we get the attention of people who do not have the habit of leaving the house right you do not have a habit of going to a theater production or a concert or a gallery space and I, I you know you're you're a theater person you understand you go it's so comfortable but it's so intimidating if you've never been mm-hmm. and and so it's it's very uh difficult to market to people that that's their starting point their starting point is you know that's a bunch of weirdos, or you know, I, I mean, essentially, they're intimidated to come in. They don't know what it is. It's not a familiar experience. And you know, let's face it. I mean, with the availability of digital media and entertainment, that's it's. I think again, I get it. It's a snowy night. Mm-hmm. You don't want to leave your house. Yes. <laughs> it's a heck of a lot easier to just pop on Netflix and watch something. Sure is. And that's fine. I'm not saying we shouldn't have that, but. Our supporters, our members have certainly come to realize, as you understand, the unique benefit of coming together and having that ecstatic experience of seeing a a play that really sings or an art exhibit that just sort of
0: changes your perspective, Mm -hmm. you know.
4: You can't get that through digital.
0: The communal experience of being in in a large group or even a small group, but experiencing it all together is is. Well, which brings us, of course, to the situation with the COVID-19 uh, quarantines and so on, and how it has affected you down there, because we've all been affected by the loss of our communal experiences, and I'm sure you closed down like everybody else did back in March, and what's been going on? Well, first of all, did you have a lot of things that you had to cancel or, or postpone? Were there were there money-making things? And I, I, I mean, I, I know that you're a, a, a non-profit, of course— but gotta pay the bills <laughs> you have operating costs Every, everybody does yeah yeah and you've got sure. and are you still doing I'm, I'm jumping around here but are you still in the midst of a restoration uh yes to all of those okay okay so when COVID
4: hit uh we were doing a production and actually the last weekend of that production before the governor's executive order was released we already saw a, a dramatic drop off we had hmm. two weeks of the show the second weekend, we had ba- basically ticket holders jump and ship and not, not even coming. Wow. We had a board meeting the Monday of the shutdown, and we made the decision actually to lay off all staff immediately. Sure. Our approach was to try and retract as quickly as we could, take stock of the situation, reformulate how we were going to approach things, and... Hopefully, have resources to do programs as we would be able to. Mm-hmm. So we canceled everything because we had to, and also I think no one would have come at that point in time. You know, the world sure. just shut down, of course. And uh, we canceled everything from. Full on, uh, you know, the production of the sound of music, touring concert artists, gallery exhibits, uh, workshops, giant, our major fundraiser. (laughs) I mean, everything, you know, it was a a gradual process, as I think it probably was for most people. You know, in week one, we were canceling the most immediate things, but holding on to hope. (laughs) Yes. And then I I think we saw pretty quickly that this was going to go on for a long time period and so maybe we were a little bit then on the earlier side of things where we canceled a lot of stuff uh, a lot farther out mm-hmm. which it turned out to be the bright move you know the, um so we kind of went into a cocooning phase we are as you kind of alluded to we have a, a restoration project or more a, a renovation project here to this church building but we actually have another project uh, down the street called arts cafe it has a bakery cafe as kind of the key component, but there's a small stage in there. There's a workshop space, oh. two residences, ultimately designed for artists and residency programs and a publicly
0: accessible green roof. So that's an annex of you, of, the, of the building that you're in now. Right down the street, it's uh, right on Main Street, yeah. Great, great, cool. That ended up, we have
4: some kind of unique opportunities because of that project. So when we checked down, we, we got together as staff and board and said, well, you know, we can't do this bucket of stuff, but um, we'd actually just done our strategic planning review a couple weeks before the shutdown, so Mm -hmm. that was fresh in our minds, all these plans. And we looked at that and said, are there things that we can move forward? And the answer was yes, there was a lot that we could move forward. And we, we received one of the PPP loans, which was really key for us. Sure, sure. We ended up kind of transitioning to doing a lot of work on our CAFE project we did a lot of, uh, and the timing ended up working out right. We're actually with both projects. Um, we have kind of, a this at the church, we have an ongoing project, multi-year. Uh, we've redone the gallery space. We're in the middle of putting an entrance edition on with office space, and down the road, we'll eventually get to the theater slash sanctuary area and uh, complete the rehab there. But we were at a point with these projects where there was a lot of painting and staining and work that our staff could do. Mm-hmm. So we transitioned to do as much physical work as we could, and everybody was happy to do it. We also did a lot of development work. We talked uh, a lot about planning for programs in these new spaces. As time went on, uh, as we we came towards the summer, it was kind of tricky. We we've we've had a long-term program where we bring interns in from colleges and universities from around the country, and we had been expanding the program year after year. There was Typically, for musical theater or just theater interns, a technical theater intern, a visual arts intern, et cetera. It's kind of in different areas. And uh, we had gone through the interview process, and then COVID hit and it was really starting to fall apart. These interns, when they come, are involved in in school productions, which of course we're not going to happen. Right. But they do a summer's worth of workshops for kids. And Up until the very last minute, we were just hemming and hawing. We did not know what to do. In the end, we decided to bring four interns to Springville and to do a small modified outdoor youth workshop program. So we did a production of How to Eat Like a Child. We did a couple of visual arts programs. They were 25% of what they would have been Insider space. And that's not our limitation. That was literally the attendance. I mean, Mm -hmm. we know that people were very skittish about participating. We had conversations with parents. And we also, uh, so we did this, the interns, I felt so good about bringing them in. I felt these young adults, I feel for them so much, you know, they were removed from school and their environment, all their plans taken away. And so I was very happy that we were able to give them an opportunity to do something, a resume builder, an experience builder over the course of the summer. That's great, that's great. Another way that we really pivoted is we are very much a facilities-based institution. We have spaces. Mm -hmm. It's a church, a theater, an exhibit space, and a small workshop. We rent another large workshop space on Main Street, and as I mentioned, we have this Arts Cafe project, which is adding additional space. We also own the parsonage to this church, the former parsonage. And we decided to sort of take those assets and uh, they're kind of fixed costs. It does not matter. We have to pay the bill regardless. Sure, open or closed, yep. Right? Um, And so we've been pivoting to a residency program. We've been talking about it for years and kind of dabbling a little bit. And the idea is that when we bring an artist to the community, if they're here for a longer time period, there is both a greater appreciation and understanding of their art form, and financially, uh, the marketing does itself because the person is working with community members, they're interacting with the community and people want to see whatever it is so if it's a musical artist for example the idea was to bring them in and do workshops and youth programs and all those kind of things school things and by the end you do a big concert everybody wants to come It's not don't have to sell a ticket so we have been having conversations about this along the way and we ended up uh, hosting two artists uh, here uh, wonderspark puppets is a duo puppet company they have other staff down in New York. They're like the official puppeteers of the New York library. They go into schools all over New York City. I mean, they're very legit. And we have been speaking with them for quite some time. And as their in-school programs vaporized, they needed a space to do work. Sure, sure. And yes. so we said, look, we'll provide a workspace here and it's a great partnership. Uh, they're here still now. Uh, They're doing a variety of kind of online content. They're producing these great little videos. Mystery Max is one of their characters. And Mystery Max goes around town and interviews community members. (laughs) And it gives people a chance to learn a little bit about puppetry uh, by directly experiencing them. But also, it's communicating a little bit about our community to the world. And there's this whole little series now that people have been watching. I don't know where, you know, from all around, they're, their whole community is watching it. And we've done some pr- programs, a few live programs, now that, you know, we are able to do small amounts of things outside. Mm-hmm. And another thing was that we brought in this group called The Ladles. And they're a trio of relatively younger female vocalists that sing a great sort of tight harmony. It's hard to describe. It's kind of a little bit of Americana, a little bit of like 1920s France or something, I, a little bit of the Andrews sisters. I mean, I, it's a, this is a really interesting mix yes. of how they approach it. And we had them here in January, and they stayed and had a great time. And we said, listen, um, you know, maybe we should do a residency program down the road. Well, they're stuck. They could not play anywhere. <laughs> they live in different areas, and they wanted to work on their next album. So we brought them in for a period of three weeks. Uh, We managed to pay them a stipend, provide the housing and the parsonage. And the first week was kind of a development thing. The second week we did a variety of like backyard concerts, small little engagements, uh, a porch, concerts off the porch of where they were staying for little kids, things like that. Wow. And then last week they had an audio engineer come in and we turned over the theater space to them and they recorded an album and it was great. We did even did a workshop where uh, people could come in and we, Created block print CD covers. So there's all these unique one-of-a-kind CD covers for when this CD gets done. So it's a really nice program. And that's where we're kind of headed in the fall, too, because I think one of the biggest challenges with COVID is this is the way I think, you got like three, three or four different aspects to this. There's the government regulations, there's the psychological aspect of how the audience is feeling, the health and safety concerns, and, and trying to navigate that. Of course, that's you know paramount, right? But But these these three things, uh, one might be in a different place than another. You know, when regulations get rolled back, the psychology, the audience psychology might not be quite ready to come. Exactly. Sure. So as things change, it's very difficult. You know, we usually plan a year ahead, right? I mean, at least we're thinking we're talking concerts. We had concerts planned, you know, forever. And it's like now we don't know what's going to happen next month. Right. We don't know what the tenor of our local population is going to be. These residency programs and some of the other things we're doing allow us to be more flexible. Initially, with the ladles, we had planned a large outdoor concert, but we're still limited to 50 people outside. The village did not want to do it. And so that got canned, but we had them here. And so instead of that, we could do a variety of other little things. Mm -hmm. We've got an artist, we're working with the Albright Knox actually with a really great partnership to bring a visual artist out in September. He's from Michigan, does abstract art, and and they're gonna do a small mural as part of their public art program here. And similarly, it's insane. I have no idea what we're gonna do. It's weeks away that he's gonna be here. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, everything's changing almost daily with the schools. We don't know what's gonna happen. We're trying to figure out how many kids are gonna participate. We actually started a a school day program uh, because we saw that as an opportunity because the school here is doing kind of a, a hybrid where the kids go for two days sure. And they're at home for two days. So we're trying to pick up some of the slack and pro- provide enrichment programs for kids. And then, we don't know. And, and that's really we're planners. This is really tough, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but that's the mode we have to be in. You know, we have to kind of wait and see. So that's, that's some of what our strategy has been and how we've tried to adapt to the COVID times has been, it's kind of like jazz improv here. You know, we've got a chart, but like, You know, the the big binder of music from the Duke Ellington era, we had to throw that out, right? (laughs) And we are just bebopping along, trying to figure out week to week what we can do. We get a basic disc. I know I got this group of artists this time. Um, And actually, Zero Wise, I just had a request. There's been a group, they've been, we have a a very active play reading group, and they really wanted to do a staged version of uh, Death of a Salesman. And they said, look, can we just rehearse? Can we, we have enough people. We're comfortable. We can be safe in this way. Can we rehearse? We don't know if we'll ever do it. I said, sure. Great. That's perfect. Yes. You know, like if something comes of it, great. And if
0: something doesn't, well, in a jazz composition, you guys are right now in, in the middle 64 with just all improv. Absolutely. We're just <laughs> sunny around, up and down. You know, that's, that's right. Forget the melody. We don't care about the melody. We've got nope. a chord pattern to follow, and everybody just, let's see what happens.
4: I just hope, I hope we
0: get back to the head is all I'm saying. We've got to take it back to the head at some point. So. <laughs> Listen, speaking of, uh, are you open? You know, fall is coming. Uh, some of my friends and and I often take a trip down, you know, down to the Southern tier and down to look at the leaves and everything. And Springville is a beautiful little town. And, and, uh, are you open? Can people come by? I mean, even if you don't have particular programs going on.
4: Yes. Um, our gallery exhibit program will be restarting, uh, at the end of September. Um, and, um, the building will be reopened. We, we kind of pushed everything outside for the summer. We made the decision that was the sure. safest thing to do and we had the ability to do it. And actually it never rained on any of our programs.
0: Wow. <laughs> Something had to go right. <laughs> Something had to go yeah. right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> now we're transitioning back to inside. So we're gonna reopen the gallery space. We have a, a beautiful, amazing needle felting artist of, of all things who does these gorgeous large scale pieces. So we'll, we'll have an exhibit. I mentioned uh, the guy from the Albright Knox is coming down Brian Metzdorf and we're you know we're prevented from having indoor performances still of course mm-hmm. um, we are going to try a few little workshops but basically yes we'll
0: we'll be open and and, and people come can people just come in and and look around and yes absolutely we're always open is the theater space open so there's there's somebody there i know i know you had to put people off you know you had to lay off well we've actually
4: we've re-upped again we've we've done very well we've managed to kind of regroup everything here we'll have limited hours we decided that we would maintain we're Part of it is we're trying to manage our resources now to prepare for next year, which is a whole other topic of conversation, Mm -hmm. but one we might want to get into. (laughs) Truthfully, I think next year is the thing to discuss. We're trying to manage our resources, but we'll be open Wednesday through Saturday. And, um, you know, people can come in and then our cafe projects will also be opening um, in a limited capacity. Over the course of these next two months, we'll be opening more and more
0: spaces in that building as well. So. Is that place open now for coffee and baked goods and things? It's, so it is. Uh, we were supposed to open in the spring. <laughs> it didn't happen.
4: Didn't happen. Uh, our finances kind of fell apart, sure. etc. cetera. Um, but we have really gotten back on track. The bakery portion will be open either the end of this week or Monday of next week for takeout. And then within a couple of weeks, we'll expand again. It's going to be more, we, we had envisioned a big grand opening because this is a project that so many people have supported in our community. Yes. But we're going to have to kind of do a little bit of an incremental opening. I see. Um, we're not sure when the seating area will be open. Uh, we're kind of waiting to see where things go because we don't want to open that space. I have programs ready to go in there, and that'll probably drive it more than anything else. But really hesitant to open and then have to shut down because yeah. it would just be devastating. Yeah financially disastrous so by thanksgiving for sure um we will open the seating space we're going to see how this next month goes
0: but it would be open if people came down say in october for a visit just to because i mean i can't recommend enough just taking a little ride down there as i told you i you know i've been to the i've been to the church well, I don't know if you call it the church anymore, do, but I've been, the to, church, yeah. I've been to the to the center for the arts, and it's a lovely, it's a lovely space. Uh, and there's so much to see down there. And Springville's a lovely town. I, I hate to even ask this question, but how are you financially? How is the Springville sure. you know Center for the Arts? Are you doing all right? I mean, yeah,
4: yeah. Well, let me actually let me, let me just interject one thing, and then I'll answer that, which is just an offer. Uh, we love to show people around. So if someone wants mm-hmm. to come out. They can call and email. We all live about a block away, everybody that works here, and we're happy (laughs) to show people around all our spaces, give a little tour, we're very proud of what we've done, and we do not mind taking the time at all. So, Mm -hmm. if someone wants to come down at an odd time or whatever it is, they should just reach out.
0: It's not a problem. Well, that's very nice. And of course, you've got the website, springvillearts.org. Correct. So, that's, that's where people can find all the contact information and so on.
4: So, financially, we are doing okay. My biggest concern, as I alluded to, is next year. Mm -hmm. When I look at the future, you have this maelstrom here, is, you know, a a whole situation. You have reduced incomes across the board. You have, you know, reduced corporate earnings, reduced retirement savings because of, you know, stocks going up and down and just general concern. Of course, foundations are understandably pivoting to more immediate health and poverty concerns. There's going to be less money in general and more of a focus on different things. You have government is probably the biggest uh, issue. Any government support, of course, is very jeopardized right now. Very iffy, sure. We receive funding from uh, earned income from tickets. Membership is huge for us. We have a very strong membership base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we receive some government and foundation grants, charitable you know, donations across the board, a little bit of every, everything, anything we can kind of make happen. Now, of course, our biggest hit was we have zero zero admissions at this point in time. Um, And that, for us, is a major hit. It's a very temporary situation. It's because, you know, these grants, this membership cycle, all this stuff is a multi-year process, right? So what's going to happen is next year, when these sort of longer-term sources are greatly reduced, and if we still do not have earned income, I think you're gonna see a a real struggle with arts organizations across the board as we get into March of next year. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of debt, uh, mostly related to reimbursable grants. And um, because of COVID, we were able to get uh, economic injury disaster loan and restructure all that debt to an extremely low interest rate. We have received additional support from a mix of people, uh, New York State Council on the Arts, our, our members, have donated. The communities and the, the funders we work with have been very generous. The Cullen Foundation uh, has been tremendously supportive. Mm-hmm. These things have just, really have made a huge difference. ASI did a grant, I mean, I'm, I'm feel like I'm gonna slight somebody by leaving them out, but these grants really have made a difference in not only in allowing us to continue to exist, but these, these programs I discussed, the residency program, the youth workshops, all these things like, I mean, we there's no way we could have done these without the additional support we it was was really heartwarming in the very early stages of the uh, of the pandemic I mean we saw a little bump in fundraising unsolicited fundraising yes and that's really nice again it speaks to the commitment our members have that
0: people understand that this is something special I think people do understand, and I think when you're talking about the coming season and and the lack of season, for Buffalo theater groups as well, of course, I think people are aware that there's not much you can do, but you still need to operate, and we want these things to continue for when quote-unquote normalcy returns. So I mean I've done it myself. I've I've contributed. I'll be, be I will be becoming a member in Springville. I'm telling you right now. Hey, 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 for, just, just because why not and you want these these groups to continue. So I think that's the reason why you've been get, getting some unsolicited and now if you if you want please go ahead and solicit sure. <laughs> use this opportunity. Um, you can donate right, on, right online I, Springville. I, I, got hours, I you know, know you can. But I think that's the reason why, because those of us who are not really in any sort of administrative form in, in, in the theater or the arts, we're looking at it saying, we don't want this to disappear. And and let's face it, we've got a, a little extra money because right now we're not spending it on going out to eat or we're not spending it yeah. on hanging out at bars. We're not spending yeah. it on movies and things like that. So let's donate it where it can do some really good work. I'm, I tend to look at it pretty positively. you know. Again, is it a struggle? Yes. I mean, we've had to lay
4: some good people off, and I don't mm-hmm. want to minimize that. But I think that for us, we are in a good position. This could have happened at other times, and I can say without a doubt that we probably would have gone bankrupt. Any theater, any arts organization, it's a house of cards. So often, there's money in, money out. You know, there's no capital in the nonprofit world. We don't even know what capital means. You know, we don't have that as a resource. <laughs> Well, there are many times where we could have been a really difficult situation. It happened for us at an okay time. I feel like we're able to weather this and we're going to be not only here, but we're going to be in a stronger position when we reopen. That's been our goal and we've been relentless at having those conversations too. I mean, I, we won't do something that we feel like is a substandard version of what we normally do. And I think, uh, the, 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 the one choice we made here that has helped both financially and just you know, the morale of everybody has been making that decision to say, you know what, let's maybe focus internally for a little while, let's see what we can do, let's tackle those projects in the list that never get done. <laughs> let's do things that are gonna make us better for when this, this ends. And that, that has really helped it's really helped. That was a smart move, I guess. Uh, you know, in hindsight, we 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 made that right move. We're trying to say, let's only do what's going to be what's going to be really nice. Not let's do this, and it's fifty percent as good as what it would have been, but that's fifty percent better. Ah, the theater audience, especially, is such a precious thing. You know, the saying is, "You're only good as your last show," right? Mm-hmm. And it's tough when you. You get people in the habit of coming and enjoying and being open to that positive, amazing experience of a live performance. It is really challenging if suddenly you're, you know, taken out at the knees and you, have, you don't have your space or whatever it is, and the temptation is to do something. Yes. But uh, we're, we're trying to do things that are not just something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but are unique and fun. You know, I'll tell you, actually, one thing we're trying to cultivate for the spring, and this is great for the theater audience, we've always done, the last couple of years, we've done a short play weekend. You know, it was a 10-minute play. It was a great mix of experienced people and totally inexperienced people working together. And it was okay, because, like, you know, frankly, if one stunk, 10 minutes later, you had a different piece. Right? <laughs> it was, and you've got to have those programs. You know, you have to have the cultivation program. Well, that got canceled, obviously. But one odd, oddity was that normally we get a decent number of submissions from the region this year we received over 700 short play submissions from around the country holy macro. it happened during covid playwrights were in their houses yep i don't know what happened they found it online and it was at first we were like, what the heck you know to read that many plays is it's enormous undertaking sure even if they're only 10 minutes Anyways, it led to this idea, well, could we do something with this, where we did a short play, little festival, outside. We have a variety of locations that are all walkable here. Mm -hmm. Can we create enough little mini stages appropriate for the content of the plays, where people could come with a lawn chair, 25 at a time, or whatever it is, and have that sort of street theater experience. So that's something we're cultivating for the spring, and we would like to engage professional actors, and uh, theater companies from around the region to kind of pull this together because we think we think we, that's something we can do safe, and it's relatively COVID-proof, you mm-hmm. know, unless things really, really get bad and we'd have to cancel it. Sure, sure, sure. That's something. You asked me about finances. I got off on a tangent. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> that's
0: okay. That's okay. <laughs> well, Seth Wachenski, thank you so much. Executive Director of the Springville Center for the Arts, it's been a real pleasure meeting you. And, I again, I cannot recommend to people highly enough to take a little ride down to Springville and and see the see nature see the town and go go see for the center for the arts you're located right on main street
4: 37 north buffalo it's just a block off of main street at the main intersection it's easy enough to find there's signs right on main street I
0: remember i had i had a dinner at at a, at a little italian restaurant right uh, Right, uh, there, right, right, right there, right there. We parked there and 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 walked over. So that yeah. was lovely. Yeah. And uh, listen, I wish you a lot of luck. It sounds like you've got you know your hands full, but you. It also sounds like you've got a, a good handle on this thing. And, and you well, know, you know, we
4: all have to be persistent, Peter. That's the yes. key. If yeah. we're not persistent, we're not. We probably wouldn't be in this field anyways. So <laughs> if there's anybody who's uniquely. Any group of people uniquely able to cope with this, it is the arts, because we're just used to struggling through everything during normal times, so it's just a different set of problems.
0: That is very true. (laughs) Seth, you have a good day now. I appreciate you talking to me. Take care. All right, take care, Peter, thanks. Bye-bye now. Yes, and you can keep your damn pumpkin spice. It's not even a real flavor. Where did that come from? Seth Wachensky out there at the Springville Center for the Arts. They have so much going on. And I'm telling you, you just take, take a ride down there when the fall colors hit. It's just beautiful and spectacular. And there you've got an open invitation from Seth to come and look at their place. So can't beat that, can you? And have some pumpkin spice cider while you're down there. And did you guess the mystery guest? Did you guess the one who was sending us a Message from the bunker. So that's always kind of
3: fun, isn't it?
0: Yes, of course. It was none other than that great actor and stage manager, Norm Sham, with a surprise guest appearance from his dear wife.
1: not a boyfriend. Yes,
0: we know, Debbie, the lovely and talented Debbie Pappas Sham. not a boyfriend. Lovely to hear from both of you. Thanks for contributing. So listen, Curtain Up is coming up, and I just want to say one thing that I think... Pretty much I'll be subscribing to every theater in the area. Uh, Whatever they have to offer, whatever is coming up, be it online or otherwise, and I suspect that it will all be online, as we will be learning at the Curtain Up Ceremony, which, of course, is going to be on uh, this coming Friday. But in the meantime, and you know I don't ask much of you. I don't spend a lot of time self-promoting here, and I'm really not promoting myself, but last night... I saw the Alleyways presentation of Currents 716 that I have a small part in near the end. It's the last of the of the plays that they're doing. And they did a fabulous job of filming these plays, these one-act plays, all over western New York. It's beautifully done. I cannot recommend it enough. So go to Alleyway.com and uh, try to check out Currents 716. It's... I think they really set a high bar. So please check that out. Yes, I'm a part of it, but that's not the reason to check it out. Now, they have a very set schedule. I think it's Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays at 7.30, and Saturday matinee at 2. But go to their website and check it out. And it's, it's just like going to the theater. Everybody gathers together at a certain hour, 7.30 on a Thursday night, to watch the show. It's just on your computer, that's all. And while we're talking about it, coming up next will be the Road Less Traveled online virtual presentation of Bigfoot. This is really going to be something. We'll be talking about it on the next podcast. The date, I believe, is October 2nd and 9th. And believe me, you won't want to miss it. It is, again, an original play by John Elston. It is designed for the Zoom format. You will be very pleased. And I think we should just subscribe to anything any theater has to offer because they're all trying to stay relevant and stay alive. And there's going to be some great content out there that I think we should all take advantage of and help out where we can. So I'll be subscribing to just about everything that comes out, and I hope you will too. Next time, we'll have a very special episode of RLTP's Off-Road, where we actually have some special guests from the Bigfoot episode that's coming up on Road Less Traveled Online. So I hope you'll come back next time to RLTP's Off-Road with me, Pete Pomisano.